Welcome back, MTN Net Podcast. Another positive reaction. We're going to talk about the Nets Raptors from tonight. 119-116 victory. I'm sure most of you saw it, but Kyrie Irving, game winner. Crossover, Van Vliet, create separation, nothing but net. Kyrie wins the game, 119-116. Nets trailed by 18 at one point in this game. They have now won nine of their past 10 games. The hottest team in the NBA right now. Sure, I get it. Some of the skeptical people will say, oh, those wins were against injured teams, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. Did you see how injured the Nets were last year? I do not give a damn. I am taking anyone I can get. The Nets are moving up the standings. And they're definitely putting themselves in that conversation of top three team in the Eastern Conference. I still want to see how they fare versus the top guys, the Bucks, who we play soon. And then, of course, Boston, who we haven't beat since like last year. I want to see how they play against them. But right now, at least, the Nets are arguably the third best team in the East. I love what I'm seeing ever since Jock Vaughn took over. They're playing as a team. And there's definitely a lot of great things to talk about. So, of course, subscribe to the podcast. Follow the podcast, MTN Nets Podcast. The YouTube channel, also MTN Nets Podcast. The last YouTube video actually got a good amount of views. That was the comeback versus the Pacers when they won very shorthanded. So, that was cool. So, hopefully, we got some... uh, some new listeners over there. But anyway, tonight's game was one that it feels like if this was a previous Nets team, even the Nets team that started out the year, I know the Nets beat the Raptors like the second game of the year, actually. So maybe not, but still the Nets, it felt like earlier on and even last year, they would have lost a game like this, especially at Toronto. That crowd gets very much into it. And the way Van Vliet was shooting, the way Siakam was kind of getting calls and Kevin Durant was very frustrated with the referees and things like that. Things were not going the Nets' way, especially in the first half and especially offensively. They scored 19 points in the first quarter. And as I said, they were down 18 points at one point in this game, but I think they made a lot of halftime adjustments on defense. They made life much tougher for Toronto. Toronto in the first quarter scored 29. They scored 33 in the second quarter, which was their high. Then the Nets held them to 22 in the third quarter. That was the big difference in this game. The Nets outscored them 36 to 22 in the third quarter. Then in the fourth quarter, they only outscored Brooklyn by 132-31. But holding an NBA team to 22 points in a quarter, you'll take that any day of the week. And you can tell that defensive intensity was much better for the Nets in that second half, but especially in that third quarter. And it was frustrating because the Nets were somewhat getting stops on defense in the first half. Like I thought they played pretty decent defense for the most part, but they couldn't make their shots. They were like one of 10 from three at one point in this game. It did get better. They ended up shooting nine of 26 from three. So I guess do the math. They probably had like a close to 50% shooting from three in the second half, but still the entire game, they only shot 34% from three, but they started out terribly. So they got better shooting the ball. Definitely some big shots um, at the end of the game by Utah Watanabe. Revenge game for Utah. That was awesome to see. He was super pumped up for that. And then Kyrie, of course, making the game winner, which was a three as well. But as I was saying, the first half was annoying because, yes, they were getting defensive stops, but you can tell the Raptors' defensive pressure And their perimeter defense and their length was definitely disrupting the Nets. And even Kevin Durant, to a degree, was not really getting into his rhythm because he was getting pressured by Siakam and some of the calls were not going his way. And, you know, you saw the plays where even like Joe Harris elbowed, um, who was it? Scotty Barnes, I think it was, in the face. So the Nets had some offensive possessions just end in a pretty you know, just annoying way where you thought like they could have gotten more and then some guys were missing open shots. Royce O'Neal had a couple that I thought he could have made 
And Royce O'Neal, we'll get to him later. He's definitely cooled down from, you know, the way he started this year shooting the ball. But another game here where the Nets out-rebound their opponent 37-32. to And speaking of rebounds and the big man, I mean, Nick Claxton was awesome. We'll just go to the individual players now. Nick was awesome. This was probably one of his better games of the year. He was 5 of 5 from the field, 5 of 8 from the free throw line. So I do believe Nick started out 0 of 3 at the free throw line. And I'm saying to myself, like, this is mad annoying. Like, he has to fix this problem. And then it was weird. There was a – he missed a free throw, but then there was a lane violation on Toronto. He got another free throw. He made it. And I think after that, he made, like, his next four in a row. So he finished a game 5 of 5 at the line. He's kind of changed his free throw approach. Like, it's it's not like a Giannis-type pause, but, like, Nick Claxton, like, he, he is about to go up, takes this really long pause for about, like, a full second, second and a half – and then he just shoots really slow. And I guess it's kind of working for him. I feel like his shot has been more on target. Sometimes he misses short, of course. But I feel like Nick Claxton might be figuring things out. At least he's experimenting and trying new things. And hopefully Claxton gets the free throws to a decent level. He'll never be an 80-90% shooter, I don't think. But if he can get to 70, you know, 70-75%, I'm fine with that for Nick Claxton, of course. But Clax, he had 10 rebounds, and this is the impressive one. Six blocks. Six blocks, 15 points. A couple of those weak side blocks by Claxton. He has been a very good rim protector at times and a good uh, perimeter defender at times as well. So those lineups with Simmons and Claxton playing defense at a high level, those lineups are fun to see, and they will definitely help in playoff series matchups when you play those teams that have, you know, wings that can do it all with the ball like you know Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown for instance like we have not seen Ben Simmons play Boston yet but whenever that happens I'm excited because you can put Simmons and Claxton in the pick and roll and whenever they switch you're still going to get a tough defender regardless so but it's funny sometimes I go back and watch like old videos I make and for some reason I was watching a Nets video I made it was actually like two weeks before COVID hit I think it was after their lost at home to the Lakers, and I was talking about some of the things they were doing wrong, but I remember like kind of vouching for Nick Claxton to start at that time, and he was a rookie. I, I said he should start alongside DeAndre Jordan, which, you know, maybe that was a dumb take, but I still, <laughs> it just comes to show you I was a big Claxton guy in the past, and I always wanted him to get more minutes, and, you know, I, I was hoping that Claxton would end up being more of a shooter, but it hasn't happened yet, but the way he's been able to develop into a pretty natural center for the most part. He doesn't play center like, you know, Joel Embiid and guys like that. But the way Claxton plays center, it's, it's fine for the modern NBA. There's some matchups for Claxton where it doesn't go that great and he does get bodied here and there. But the guy has the athleticism. He can jump out the gym. He can block shots as we see. He can get some tough rebounds. He can play above the rim. So Claxton gives you most things of what you want from an NBA center these days. And I think he played a great game tonight. Kevin Durant, 10 of 15, 2 of 3 from downtown, 6 of 6 at the line, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal, did have 5 turnovers. He had a couple of those dumb turnovers where he dribbles in the traffic, but I thought Katie was pretty good for the most part. 10 of 15 shooting, I think he'll take that any night from him. A very efficient night, and look, Katie, as I've mentioned before, there were some plays he probably should have gotten some calls. He didn't get them, especially in the first half. There was the play where he got a technical. I think it was a double technical. I think Scotty Barnes kind of... Uh, you know, he made a nice move. He dunked. Not on. He didn't dunk on Kevin Durant, but he made a nice euro step and dunked with Kevin Durant defending. And 
you know, they had some words for each other. But you can tell KD was definitely a bit frustrated by the refs and I think how physical Siakam was from the start of the game. So it probably motivated him. Royce O'Neal, as we go in order here, um, not good. 32 minutes, 0 of 4 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3. Um, seven rebounds, which was nice. He did have some nice rebounds. I'll give him that. Three assists. He was a minus four. So um, five fouls. So, yeah, Royce O'Neal is one of those guys that – as TJ Warren gets healthier and Utah Watanabe, same thing coming off the uh, hamstring. Um, I think you may see less minutes for Royce O'Neal going forward. And, you know, I said maybe a couple of videos ago that I thought fans were being a bit too hard on Royce O'Neal, but now I agree with it. I think he's been pretty, pretty rough lately, but, you know, he's a guy that you just hope gets it going at some point. If he can shoot the ball at a decent clip and just play defense, that's the thing. It's the annoying part. Like when we got Royce over here, like, I know he fell off last year defensively, but I'm hoping, like, you know, playing with KD and playing with uh, Claxton and playing with uh, with Ben, that it was going to help his defensive ability. But, you know, he has shown so many times this year, Royce O'Neal, where he can't stay in front of his guy, and it's just mad annoying. Like, I just want to see him play good defense, and you're not seeing it consistently. I feel like he'll give you a good defensive possession, like one out of, one out of every five trips, but you're not seeing consistent great defense out of Royce O'Neal, which is something I was hoping that would change this year um Kyrie Irving awesome game 35 points 13 of 22 three of nine from three which is something he is still not hitting yet his three-point shots they're not falling he had a wide open look in the corner in the first quarter didn't make it he made it he had a pull-up in the first quarter didn't make it so his three-point shot early got off to a bit of a slow start but he's been shooting better from three lately so hopefully that turns around but of course he made the big shot tonight to win the game uh 32 points overall five assists that assist he had by the way to utah watanabe awesome play completely as jason terry said sucked in the d and kicked out the ball to utah watanabe in the left corner it was a great pass by Kyrie finding the open shooter and uh, Utah got his revenge. So, yeah, Kyrie only one turnover this entire game, and he's been awesome. Kyrie has been great lately. I know there were some fans that really were dead set on trading him, and there's probably some people that still want to trade him. I mean, I don't really, you know, make these videos to, like, dunk on fans and things like that. We're all entitled to our own opinions, but I don't know how trading Kyrie was going to make the Nets better, and I'm happy that he's still on this team. I'm a big Kyrie guy, as you guys know, and... um. You know, Kyrie playing at this level makes the Nets the best version of themselves. I don't know who you can trade Kyrie for that makes the Nets better. You know, like teams already don't want to give up much for the guy because Kyrie obviously is very unpredictable. But I'm happy he's back. If he's playing at a level like this, I mean, he's... You know, I think he was ranked, what what that website, I forget who ranked these players, but some website recently came out with NBA rankings, and I think it might have been top 100, and they put Kyrie at number 66. And I'm like, bro, seriously? 66? I get I get the availability stuff, but like you're telling me Kyrie Irving is the 66th best active player in the NBA? I mean, stop. But anyway, um, so Kyrie definitely responded to that. And, you know, I'm not, I don't even know if he saw that list or not, but I hope he did. So um, he's been awesome. Fourth quarters especially, Kyrie has been taking over. I've noticed that in the early fourth quarters when KD is sitting and, and getting his rest before finishing out the last seven, eight minutes, um, Kyrie has played super aggressive and really good basketball in those early fourth quarters when the Nets need the offense. So Kyrie's been stepping up. Even in that game... 
against, uh, I think it was Washington, right, the other night. Uh, what night was that? It was uh, Wednesday. So Wednesday versus, not Wednesday, that was a while ago. That was a different game. Monday, Monday at Washington, which, yeah, the Nets had like four uh, four days off, which was crazy. So in that game, Kyrie had a play where he dove into the stands. And I'm not talking like he fell into the first row and sat down, blah, blah, blah. No, he like literally jumped over the first like one or two rows and ended up like deep into the benches. I mean, he was going all out. So I, I love the effort he's been showing, even defensively. I mean, look, Kyrie will sometimes over pursue and sometimes over help and it's annoying. But I, I think for the most part, Kyrie's effort has been really good since coming back and um, he's playing great basketball. I don't know if it's the contract year or what it, whatever it is, but I, I love the way Kyrie's been playing. Ben Simmons is looking more like himself. Finally. I mean, we're starting to see that now 32 minutes, five of seven, Four rebound or five rebounds total, five assists, one steal, ten points. Did have three turnovers, but uh, yeah, Ben had some like key dunks today. I think he had a a really nice play. I think it was Utah. He kind of like hooked a pass around to Ben um, in the fourth quarter when the Nets needed a bucket, and Ben was there um, filling in that role to you know be in the dunker spot and finish. So yeah, I thought Ben even played really good defense in this game too. He definitely showed up. It's not one of those games for Ben where you look in the stat sheet and, and think he did a whole lot, but when you watch that game, Ben was playing some really good defense. Joe Harris, TJ Warren, Utah Watanabe will kind of throw him in the same you know area here. Um, Joe with seven points, TJ with 10, Utah with 17. I mean, Utah, let's talk about him first. Utah went three of four from downtown, six of seven overall against his former team. He had a team high plus 12. You got to play that man more. I guess 21 minutes is a good amount, but Utah, I think, should be getting some of the minutes that Royce O'Neal has been getting. Uh, Utah has been making his shots, obviously. He might still lead the NBA in three-point percentage. I'm not sure if he has like enough shots at this point because he missed like 10 games, but Utah has been awesome. Three rebounds, one assist, one steal. And I feel like he does enough defensively. Like, I don't, obviously, like Utah Watanabe is not an elite defender, but he does enough. He's active enough. He has active hands. He'll get you some tough rebounds. I, I like Utah's game overall. He's one of those guys that just knows his role. And as, as Edmund Sumner said in one of those recent interviews, you have to be a star in your role. They know Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are the top dogs, right? But you have to be a star in your role. And that's exactly what Utah Watanabe does. He, he never does too much but he knows how to be a star in his role. So I love guys like that. TJ Warren is another guy that can be a candidate for taking some Royce O'Neal minutes as he gets more healthy. TJ was four of six from the field, 0 of one from three, two of two at the line, two rebounds, didn't do much else, three fouls. He was a plus three, but scoring the basketball, he's looked fine. I have no problems with, uh, with TJ Warren so far. He's been getting to the basket at some points, which is definitely encouraging. That three-point shot has not been there yet, but the mid-range game has been there. Some of those running shots he makes are very weird-looking, and I don't know how they go in, but they do. So um, it's good to see TJ healthy out there. I, there was actually one point where he scared me in this game because he fell down, and it took him like two seconds to get up. So, of course, I started thinking, like, I hope his foot's okay, but he got up. He was fine. So... Um, hopefully TJ as time goes on get of course gets better as the season goes on and I think hopefully should play more I mean 17 minutes is a decent amount for a guy who hasn't played in two years but as the year goes on you would think TJ Warren if he keeps playing like this will get some more minutes Joe Harris 23 minutes one of three from three two rebounds three assists um yeah not like a huge Joe Harris game by any means but Joe had a couple like 
nice finishes at the rim, made a very nice cut at one point, finished on the left side. Uh, I forget the three he made, but I think it was pretty late in the game. It was a pretty clutch shot, I think, for the most part. It wasn't like the late fourth quarter, but Joe, um, he did his thing. He wasn't bad today, I don't think. I think he played pretty decent defense, too. The type of game that you would take from a Joe Harris guy. Um, all right, so Edmund Sumner, Seth Curry, Cam Thomas, they didn't play much. Four minutes, seven minutes, five minutes. None of those guys made a shot. They all had zero points, um, so you didn't see much there. Cam Thomas, I think, missed uh, a three-point shot. He was wide open top of the key. He said, I'll take it. Markeith Morris was a coach's DMP, coach's decision. Patty Mills was hurt, or not hurt. He was uh, had a non-COVID illness, so he didn't play in this game, but um, not like he would play anyway, I don't think. I don't think he'd play in a matchup like this. Uh, Edmund Sumner played a bit in the first quarter or second quarter, I think it was, and you know, I don't think he did much, honestly. He played four minutes, missed a shot, had one steal, but Sumner didn't do a whole lot. So mainly the entire rotation today was p- pretty much eight guys. You know, Katie, Royce, Nick, Kyrie, Ben, Joe, TJ, and Utah was pretty much the eight-man rotation today. And I'm fine with that. Like, that's that's good size right there. I mean, as Kevin Durant said, it's a wings league. And... um he also said it's a make-or-miss league, and I think tonight's game really showed that. I mean, like, the Nets made the two biggest shots in the game when they had to. If if Utah Watanabe missed that corner three, the Nets probably lose this game. I think they were down one when Utah made that shot, and they probably lose the game. I think Utah made that shot and made it 116-114. to 114. So I was feeling good after he made the shot, of course, but before that shot, they were down one, and I think the shot clock may have been, or the game clock may have been below 24 when Utah made that shot. So if he missed it, then that's probably, not probably, but they had a very good chance of losing this game. And then, of course, Kyrie, tie game, he ends the game himself. But yeah, some guys for Toronto had really nice games. Scotty Barnes really, like was physical down low, made a nice, you know, made some nice like back down baskets and things like that. Um, you know, Fred Van Vliet has not really played well against the Nets in recent games, I feel like, but he was awesome tonight. He was uh, seven of eight from uh, the free throw line, four of nine from three, 14 of 24 overall, 39 points from him. So of course you do love seeing that if you're a Raptors fan, but like nobody else really killed the Nets. I think Flynn had a pretty good game. Siakam was pretty decent. Scotty Barnes at 26. But as I said, the Nets defense in the second half was way better. As I said, they held them to 22 in the third quarter, 32 in the fourth quarter. So I want to go through the final plays here. It was pretty crazy. So Fred Van Vliet with a minute left, he makes that shot to put Toronto up by one. Then Kyrie makes that crazy running layup to put the Nets up by one with 53 seconds to go. Scotty Barnes then makes a two-point shot, puts the Raptors up by one. So there was 15 seconds left, and Utah Watanabe got that really great pass from Kyrie, who drew in like three Raptors defenders, kicked it out to the corner. I think Utah may have taken like one of those like sidestep dribbles to his right, but then he he basically swished it. I mean, he, I was like, for some reason, I felt pretty confident with Utah making that shot. It just felt like it was meant to happen. I mean, you know, having been in Toronto Raptor the past couple of years, it just felt so right for Utah to make that shot. So he makes it Kyrie assist and Nets go up by two. Then there was the play where Kyrie fouled Scotty Barnes and Kevin Durant swatted the ball away, but they reviewed it for goaltending, which I don't even think was close to a goaltend. So I don't know why they had to review it. I guess the only reason they did call it a goaltend was because that allowed the refs to review it. So I guess, but like, I never thought it was. But Scotty Barnes, he almost missed the first. He made it, then he made the second free throw. Game was tied. Eight seconds to go. The Nets inbounded. And then Kyrie was fouled by Fred Van Vliet with 3.1 to go. So the Nets had a side out, 3.1 seconds to go. I was watching the game with my girlfriend. I'm like, 
give that was actually before he even got fouled. I was saying when the Nets came out of that timeout and they were, you know, entering the floor to make or possibly go ahead and try and win the game, I was saying give the ball to Kyrie and let him take Fred Van Vliet one on one. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, I know, of course, when, when you have Kevin Durant on your team, it's very tempting to give him the ball in a clutch situation. And Kevin's been very clutch this year and probably throughout his entire Nets career and probably throughout his entire career. But Kyrie just had it going. Late fourth quarter, he had the matchup versus Fred. I'm like, I'm taking that. Give Kyrie the ball. If he misses, he misses. But that's our best chance to win this game right now. Kyrie, I think at one point, I think is maybe his rookie year or second year in Cleveland, um, he played at Toronto once and made an awesome top-of-the-key game-winning shot. So this, we're talking like, you know, eight, nine, ten years ago. But um, he's had experience making a game-winning shot here in Toronto before. Um, this one was probably better, though. Of course, he had the, uh, the crossover, created space. And at the buzzer, Kyrie gives the Nets a victory. And I'm trying to think, when's the last time the Nets had a buzzer beater shot? Like, I, it's hard to think of a game-winning buzzer beater by a Nets player. I'm going down the list now on um, basketball reference, and it's like a game-winning shot chart, basically. And I cannot find it. I feel like D'Angelo Russell may have done it, like, a while ago. Um, oh, is this it? Brooke Lopez? No way. Was that that game Brooke Lopez made that like left baseline fadeaway shot that had no business? I don't know. I, I think maybe Brooke Lopez was the last time a net made a actual buzzer beater for the win. Like, is there an obvious one I'm forgetting about? Yeah, looking at this page, it looks like the most recent was Brooke Lopez. You had Randy Foy in 2016. I remember that game for some reason. The Nets were so bad that year. Joe Johnson had one, two, three, four, five. Five game winners as a net. I mean, Joe Johnson was so good in the clutch. So good. Um, like, I think Joe Johnson, every time he had the ball in a clutch situation, I knew it was going in. It was just like one of those things where you knew Joe Johnson was coming through. Um, all right. So, any, anyway, um, upcoming schedule. Nets are 18 and 12. They're like right there uh, at the three seed with the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. So hopefully the Nets will get that spot. They play Cleveland in four games. So on Sunday, they're at Detroit. They stink record-wise. Cunningham's out for the year. Nets hopefully should take care of business there. But that's one of those games where you might take lightly, but hopefully Jock Vaughn keeps them focused. Then they're home versus the Golden State Warriors. No Steph Curry. So that, of course, will help. And the Warriors have been kind of mid this year. Versus Milwaukee next Friday. That'll be a fun game. I mean, I hate the Bucs with a passion, so I hope we win that game. And then at Cleveland. So Bucks, Cleveland, back-to-back. -back. The Bucs game is on a Friday. Cleveland's on a Monday. So you have the whole weekend off. If you're the Nets, then they you know travel to Cleveland. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's going to be a, a stretch of, of two pretty important games to see where this team is at exactly because, you know, as I said, the people that are critics of this team will say the teams they have played are injured. And, you know, even tonight, I think uh, Gary Trent was out and OG Adenobi was out. So, I mean, all right, that's another couple guys the Nets didn't have to face. But, as I said, with what the Nets went through last year with all the injuries, I have no sympathy for people. I really don't care. Um, but after that, they play Atlanta, Charlotte, then they play San Antonio. So, uh, yeah, the Nets schedule overall is not, like, crazy hard the next six, seven games. But then you look at the in-between games with Milwaukee and Cleveland. Those will be tough, and there are a lot more road games than home games. I would say one, two, three, four of their next six games are on the road so um yeah i mean look we'll find out what happens here but i definitely want to take at least one of those games versus milwaukee or cleveland um if they take both i'd be super excited about that but hopefully just get one 
obviously you got to take care of business against the uh, Pistons on Sunday and hopefully take care of business versus a uh, Golden State team without their best players. So um, we'll see what happens. But yeah, this this uh, this win tonight was very exciting. I was on my feet forward and I was like, let's go. Like I could not believe they won that game because as I said, it just feels like one of those games that the uh, Nets of the past, they probably would have lost that. So it is great to see. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this video and I'll talk to you guys next time.